Doing well, man. How are you? How you been? I've been pretty good, actually, uh, in spite of everything that's going on. But yeah, man, thank you for taking the time. Um, you were one of the first person I, I put on my list when I decided I was going to start doing these kind of interviews. This is only like my 10th one. Um, but yeah, I, I started a Patreon community and they like this type of content, learning from people in the industry like yourself. Um, but yeah, so thank you for being here. Is it okay if I tell the story of how we met real quick? Uh, yes. Maybe leave out a little bit of it just because okay. I don't know if my parents will see this at all. And we okay, can talk yeah, about yeah. that. Gotcha. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so for the patrons who are going to watch this, um, so Kayvon uh, and I, we met, I think it was a year ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, like last yes. Christmas, I think. Uh, so Mike Squires, you know him, right? Yeah, Mike Squires. Yeah. Mike Squires, um, he texted me out of the blue and was like, hey, this guy from Genius is going to be in town. Uh, he needs some help with something. I was like, I got this. Yeah, give me his number. And so I, I called you or I texted you. Um, and then, you know, I helped you with that thing. We met up. Um, we only talked for a couple minutes. But um, and I don't know if I told you the rest of the story. But what was crazy was that my artist, Don Zay, had a song dropping that night called genius where he's oh, on, <laughs> yeah he has a yellow background he did like the genius kind of fake cover art thing but yeah it dropped an hour after you and i met and it was just that's crazy totally random. um but yeah so that's my story of how we met um we just kind of kept in contact since then but um yeah you you have an interesting story um you started with music right as an artist and then you kind of got mm -hmm. more into the business side management um working with genius um so yeah i do you want to just start from the beginning? Like, how'd you get into everything? Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, beginning, <laughs> I was a, I've always been very into music. Like my, my parents are super into music. My dad played a lot of like Motown and country and just a whole, a whole bunch of different things. Um, both of my parents are from other countries. So I grew up in England. My mom is from Hong Kong. My dad is from Iran. Wow. Um, so I kind of grew up with like music from like a bunch of different cultures in my house my entire life but then also I, I was a classical violinist so I learned mm -hmm. I learned to play the violin I started when I was like seven or eight years old wow. uh and so I did there's like a grading system in the UK where you like I don't know if it's like a national academy of some it's like some sort of like classical music thing where mm -hmm. you like do tests and like you move up grades like kind of the same way you would for like mar martial arts or something like oh, that right. um so like you like learn certain pieces and then you have to go take a test with like a like a really official room like it's quiet and there's like a guy at a piano like an accompanist yeah. who's in there uh and like your teacher will stand outside and wait for you and it's like mm -hmm. it's like very like official so I, I did like a lot of that kind of stuff when i was a kid okay um and so i've always really really just been into music and classical isn't really like my it's not my favorite like i really love it and i can really appreciate it and i see the beauty in it but it's not what i'd like sit and listen to right. every day you know what i mean so for me, it was like, I, I really loved having kind of the groundwork of like understanding music theory and understanding how music is created and composed and all that kind of stuff. But I've always really, really been a big fan of like pop, hip hop and R&B. Uh, I think the R&B really stems from like my dad really like listening to Motown a lot right. when I was a kid. Um, but with hip hop, like my cousins were super into like Eminem and 50 Cent uh -huh. and G-Unit and stuff. So for me, like when I was like, probably like 10 years old, um, maybe like 11, 10 or 11 was when I started to really like get into hip hop, which my dad was not psyched about, but my cousins, like, <laughs> you know, they were like burning me mixed CDs and stuff yeah. like that. And I was listening to them on my Walkman, uh, which ages me, but you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Walkman. And then it was like an iPod mini and an iPod, like an iPod classic. 
uh at like little mp3 players and whatever but there, i just was like one of those kids who like always had music on and headphones like wherever i was going or like always on in my room no matter what i was doing uh like it's it, like the first thing that would wake me up in the morning was like a cd turning on on my alarm and that was like you know my life but basically the first like half of my life living in england was just like being a consumer of music and and learning a lot about it i never really made music until i moved to the u.s um mm -hmm. so i moved to the u.s in 2006 uh, I moved to North Carolina. I met a lot of kids like in school um, who were just like really into music and they were like making music for themselves. And so I, I had like written my first song ever, like right before I left the UK. It just I, not to anything, which is kind of the weird thing. Like looking back on it, like it was always a very weird thing. It's like a poem? Way there. Yeah, like kind of. Like I didn't really have any music, but there was like a melody to it. And I like sang the song. You know what I mean? Like there was like, there was the core of a song without any of the production or surroundings right. of the song. Uh, and so that was like really my first like my first uh dive into like actually creating music for myself mm -hmm. you know what i mean and, and and writing songs and so when i moved to the us i met a bunch of kids who like were doing that predominantly and they kind of just encouraged me to get into writing and doing more of that so i you know we started making like little like rap songs like the kids from high school and then okay. eventually that moved into me like getting like a really looking back on it probably the worst mic for recording at home <laughs> that i could have gotten like i got like a like a SM58, right? Like the live, the Shure SM58, oh, like live like dynamic mic. mic. Yeah, it's yeah. like terrible. I don't know yeah. why I got that <laughs> mic to record with. Uh, but I literally used to be like in my room with like a sock over the end of that, like recording uh, songs and like on Audacity on like yeah, a little HP, shitty HP, yeah. <laughs> shitty HP laptop, like just trying to figure out how to do things. Um, and so that was my first like real dive into music and like creating music. I, I made like a mixtape in my room mixed it myself on audacity it sounds like shit like honestly right. like, listening to it now like <laughs> yeah. truly i can't believe that i did that so was that all. rap uh, you were rapping like eminem style or rapping singing uh, a little bit of everything to be honest uh -huh. like i uh, it's kind of hard to say to be honest yeah. with you like what exactly <laughs> it was because it's such a mix of different things like i grew up listening yeah. to grime when I moved to the South, I fell really in love with Southern hip hop and I was a really big R&B fan as well. So I was, I was already kind of listening to a bunch of different things. I think beat choice wise predominantly because I was getting stuff like Shadowville.com. I don't know if you know what Shadowville is. But Shadowville is like, where it was like the OG like beat stars or like oh, beat okay. marketplace. Yeah. So there was like certain producers that were like, I guess signed to this website and they would just upload beats and like you could rent the beats, you could download them, release them. So so wow. for the longest time, I was just like getting beats off there and just writing to them and just practicing, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, and so when I, I eventually went from North Carolina, I moved to college in Nashville, Tennessee. I went to Belmont University, which a lot of like music people, like music industry people have gone through. Um, and so that was when I really started to like, everything started to move a little bit more there because I just had access to more. North Carolina at the time, like I really didn't have access to anything. So I was just trying to do stuff on my own. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't like, I, I just didn't have access to do anything the way that you can now. Also, because at that point, I think like on the internet, like we had just started to get Facebook. Like, again, right. this is making me feel very old, but like <laughs> we're really at that point, yeah. you know what I mean? Where it wasn't, it wasn't like as easy to like connect with a producer and like, you know, a different city or like, unless it was through MySpace. And if you didn't have a MySpace following, then yeah. no one was like, you know, trying to send you beats like that. Um, so it was definitely a different, like uh, a different landscape, I think. But because, because I started to do it like that, when I got to college, I started to meet producers and meet other people who made music. Like it, it was a little bit easier to kind of then from the build everything out. So that was when I really like started to go hard. I was like sending stuff out to blogs. Uh, I met Tim, who, you know, Tim Weber uh and 
he actually i recorded my first song that ever got put on a music blog ever in tim weber's bedroom his equipment <laughs> with my friends like at his apartment like i, I literally had just met him and this dude like wow. let me record a whole song in his apartment and so from there, me and him became really good friends because he, he was just like super supportive of everything I was doing as an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to meet more producers. I started, like I had like a, a core producer that I was working with on like everything. We made a joint project together and started working on the second one. Had like a small team around me, was doing well on the blogs, but just wasn't clicking with the team that I had around me. And I, that was like a, a real turning point for me. I think just in general in my career mm-hmm. was this moment of realizing like, all right, like, no one is going to do like unless I'm vocal about it unless I tell people what I want and unless I'm like very stern about what I want Mm -hmm. people are going to try and take advantage of of me and kind of push me into what they want or what they think is right Right. Uh, and I think for me that was like a a learning moment of just being like I got to trust myself and I've got to know what I want to do and I've got to be able to tell people what I want from this So that was kind of the start of me learning how to produce. Uh, after that, I started to get more into like refocusing on like my music business classes and just learning more about the industry and the business side of things. Uh, and initially it was really just because I wanted to be able to do it all for myself. You okay. know what I mean? Like it, was, it, was a very, it came from a very selfish yeah. place initially. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to work with anybody that I can't trust. I want to just yeah. be able to do as much of this myself and tell people exactly what I want so I don't, I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, you know, like I finished school, graduated, uh, interned at a couple of studios, interned with some cool producers, just learned more about like recording, mm-hmm. uh, interned at some like sync licensing companies, which really wasn't much of an internship. If I'm being honest, this dude had a studio and he just let me go and play in the studio. Oh. All day. Uh, <laughs> and my awesome. now wife was the, was the other intern there and she did all the work. <laughs> and so we would wow. both go there and just sit all day and I'd just be playing in the studio and she'd be doing like metadata on a different computer. Wow, that's awesome. It's a very strange time of life. Um, <laughs> But from there, like I, I graduated, and then after that, I ended up getting a job at Creative Artist Agency. Um, so for a year, I worked as an agent's assistant at CAA, um, which is like one of the bigger talent agencies. And I was working at country music, uh, booking shows from anywhere from like a ten thousand dollar guarantee up into like a, a million and a half guarantee for certain artists, uh, which was like a really, really amazing experience. I learned a ton being in like a corporate environment in the music industry uh and also just in in live touring i really didn't know much about it to be honest you know like i I didn't know much about agents did i didn't know how shows got booked uh i didn't even really understand how much power managers and artists have within their team until i worked to ca and i I got to see that firsthand um and so that was kind of like at that point i'd started i started writing for good music all day which is tim's blog uh so i went from being an artist that was on that blog to then being the director of a and r where I was just really finding artists, figuring out what they needed and trying to connect them with the right people while also using the position to kind of like build my network as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that while I was at CAA. Uh, I started doing like the Fresh Fix thing, which I still do now, but it's on Audio Mac. That initially was something that I started on Good Music All Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really honestly like the way that I built my network of artists that I know now as well. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool to see some of those guys like really blow up, yeah. you know, like Jack, uh, who you talked right. about was like one of one of the first people that I put on was Jack Harlow on on that Fresh Fix thing. So to dope. see like where he's at yeah. now is like fucking crazy, you know what I mean? Amazing. Uh, and then I had a similar thing with Nav as well, where like okay. I put him on the playlist. Uh, obviously, other things were going on. Like, I don't think it was my <laughs> shit that like made him blow up, but it was really cool to see that I put him on there. And then like literally like a month later, he was on OVO Radio. And I remember texting him a screenshot of OVO Radio and being like, "Yo, bro, you're on OVO Radio now, right now. Like, what the fuck?" Yeah. Uh, and wow. so. That was kind of like my first like real 
like media thing that I was doing. I, I think I started to see for myself, especially in like the the genre that I wanted to work in. Like I, I didn't want to work in country music. I knew it. I didn't. Uh, I talked to HR at CAA about moving over to the different department. And I mean, they basically just told me straight up, they're like, you're going to be here for three years minimum in country before we move you over to hip hop. You'll still be an assistant when you get to hip hop and you'll have to do that for another three years. I was sitting there like, I'm not going to do six years of this shit. I hate it. <laughs> One year is bad enough. I can't do six <laughs> years of this and be miserable. Yeah. Um, so I worked at CAA for a year and I quit because I realized the Good Music All Day stuff was, was really helping me progress quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also during that time, I started mar- managing my first two artists, uh, Ashoka and Isaac Zale, who I still work with. Um, and I just, you know, I just saw for myself, I was like, look, like if I don't take the risk now when I don't have that much responsibility, because I was like 23, 24 at the time, you know, I was like, all right, like I'm never going to have less responsibility than I have right now in my life. So if I quit this job, I'll, I'll realistically be okay like I was living in my my wife's house uh and you know rent wasn't like a it wasn't like too much of a worry for me at the time I had savings that I had as well so I quit my job that was scary my parents didn't get it um <laughs> it you know I had to I like drove uber and shit like for a while afterwards just so I could make money as well as just like pay for bills and food and stuff and that was fine you know I would drive friday through sunday and do like every night of that weekend and just grind it out and try and get some money uh i was doing like pr on the side for artists where i could and just you know like trying to do like fair pricing and just also be like straight up about people straight up with people about like whether or not i can get results for them and just be like look it's kind of up to the writers it's up to whether they're or not like the music i can definitely put it in front of them and i can guarantee you that i'll follow up on a schedule and if you know, if we don't get you any placements, then like we can talk about like maybe doing another campaign for free or something like that, just to make it up. You know, like I, I don't want to scam people or anything like that. Right. Um, so I did a little bit of that, and then I, then I got into throwing live shows in Nashville, which was another like really big turning point for me. I think in my career, uh, it just put me in a different position within the city than I was before. Um, so in Nashville, they, they do this thing called eight off eight at one of the like iconic, like historical venues. Okay. And it's something that BMI puts on. So basically they'll give different themed weeks. It's on a Monday night. Uh, it's a free show. They used to give like a themed week to different companies, or, like, you know, whether it's management companies or different artists and stuff like that. It's just a showcase for eight artists, right? Okay. Uh, so it's like a 15 minute set for everybody. So that was the first thing that I got for a live show. I talked to one of my friends who booked at Mercy Lounge and I was just like, look, like I would love to do one of these if you guys are down all local artists it'll all be local hip-hop stuff i know there's a demand for it mm-hmm. there's just not really a venue with which we can kind of champion this stuff at and I, w- I was really like i went to school with one of the girls who ended up booking that venue so for me like i definitely like i was lucky to have that relationship in place because that is not a venue that generally allows hip-hop performances in it oh, wow. uh and this is kind of also a bit of a stigma in Nashville because a lot of these venues are owned by really old white country guys. Uh, and uh, that's still a thing where <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they don't want a certain crowd. Right. Uh, they won't say exactly what they mean, but we yeah. all know what they mean. We know. What they mean. Um, so that was like the first thing I got one of these Monday night shows. I put eight local artists on. We had like one of the biggest showings for one of those Monday shows that they've ever had, like literally like 150 people oh. at the venue on a Monday night for like a local hip-hop show 21 and up yeah, also wow. so like in Nashville, there's three colleges right there's vanderbilt belmont uh there's like fisk mtsu is not too far away so it's like it's really a college town right so yeah. like 21 and up entirely alienates that audience so right. like you know i was worried about that initially but when i saw the saw the response i was really blown away and so 
that started something uh, called the Friday series of shows. After we did the Monday show, they give me a Friday night. Um, I got them to bring it down to 18 and up because I was like, look, like you want this shit to really be successful. Give me 18 and up, I'll pack it out. Um, and I did a free show. I just paid out of pocket to rent the venue for the night. They gave me a really amazing deal on just like having the venue for the night. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing a series of shows where it was just eight or nine local artists only, mm-hmm. 15 minute sets, same kind of, uh, same kind of uh, formula. Mm-hmm. Really tried to like schedule it like a playlist. So there wasn't really a headline necessarily. It was more like, all right, like I'm going to put you where I put you. And it's going to feel like a playlist all the way through. Switch over time is going to be really short. Yeah. Just make sure you have all your shit loaded up tracks only you know bands mm-hmm. um and so we, we were really successful with that you know the first night we did one i think we got 600 people in the venue so it's a <laughs> 650 cap venue right we so we hit 600 the first friday we did we did it we did a second one we hit 750 throughout the course of the night so we literally had people like outside around the block and so that helped me get in contact with a bunch of other people in nashville who were doing similar things we came together and did something called elevate nashville which was a curated show in which we paired five uh, the five or six of the artists from Nashville with one of the better producers that was in the community at the time um, had them create a joint project together and then perform that project at the performance at a different venue called Exit Inn, which is another like really historic venue in Nashville. Okay. Um, and so we we got like 1500 RSVPs for that event, a line around the block all night. And to date, it's one of the biggest hip hop, like local hip hop events that's happened in Nashville. Yeah. Um, so that you know, this kind of all led me to a point where I was like, all right, like, I feel like I know what I can do in Nashville. There is only so far I can take this. Uh, and there's like definitely a ceiling and it's not a particularly high ceiling. And so for me, you know, I talked to my wife and we both love New York. We always have, uh, there's just something about the city and like being here that just is, is really inspiring. And so we talked about moving to Atlanta. We talked about moving to New York in LA and I was applying to jobs there and I think we just kind of both realized again like at the age we were at we moved here in 2017 uh which is what like four years ago now so I was 20 24 like this was like a year and a half maybe two years after I quit CAA right um and we were both just kind of like all right look again this is the same thing like there's never going to be another time where we have less responsibility than we have right now and like we can do this right now and if it works it works if I can get a job even better because then we can afford to live there if i can't get a job in music like fuck it like if i got to do something like retail i worked at the north face previously i was like if i got to get a job in the north face the north face again and just slang coats for a little bit like it's fine i don't care um so we we started coming up here looking for apartments and i was applying to jobs like i applied probably like every single music industry job in every field that could have been available at the time like i was applying to pr jobs i was applying to like front desk jobs marketing like any literally anything that was open i was like Fuck it, i'm gonna try yeah. uh regardless of what's in my resume and i didn't hear anything back for, <laughs> for what it's well. pause you there let me pause you there so you yeah. didn't hear back even after everything that you had i mean you've accomplished a lot by that point with packing out these shows and doing these things that hadn't been done and all the experience plus the business uh degree in music like how did none of those people reply to you so i think the there's two issues right so one it's really hard to quantify some of those things on a resume because it's not really a place that it fits you know what I mean and like the way that like I have some friends who work in HR like WME and stuff and so I would always have to like check my resume and just be like hey like what do you what do you look for like what are some of the things that you you wouldn't want Um, and so she really helped me like kind of cut my shit down basically from like a three-page resume to like a (laughs) one-page resume she was like no one wants to look at more than one page so just try and put everything on one page so 
I did that, but with that, it kind of makes it hard to describe what exactly you've done, especially when it's not necessarily for business. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have a business entity necessarily. I was just doing this shit because I could do it yeah. and I had the time to do it. Um, so it, for me, it's always been this thing where it's like, it's hard for me to tell people what exactly I've done without being physically in the room with you and talking to you about the things that I've done and explaining what it is. Um, and so in these trips where I was going to New York, that was kind of like one of my main things. It was like, all right, like I get meetings with people and I can get face to face to people and actually talk to them. I have a much better chance of, of being able to get a job in New York than I do just cold emailing and cold applying. Cause I have a new, I still have a Nashville address too. I don't even have a New York address at this point. Oh, yeah. so that's, that's the other part of this is like, I'm applying to jobs in New York being like, I haven't even moved to the city yet. They don't know that I'm planning on moving anyway. Uh -huh. Um, so there was definitely a lot of like things that just made it a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was fine. You know, like I, I really was like ready. I was at the point of like, I'll get a retail job. I just work the retail job. I'll pay our rent and I'll apply to jobs when I'm in New York, when I have a New York address. Right. Um, so eventually, you know, like we started coming up, I started hitting people up on LinkedIn, just, you know, like, Hey, I work at good music all day. I'm the director of A&R. Like, I'd love to meet with you. See if there's anything I can help you guys with any ways that we can connect or work together on things. Um, and that honestly, really worked <laughs> like, i didn't think it was gonna work initially <laughs> and i always tell people it's always like yo use linkedin if you can because that shit really works oh, um, i i didn't think that it would uh but it got me into atlantic it got me into sony it got me into rock nation like i mean on all these labels yeah uh and so like I, I was able to just kind of start building a network in new york when i wasn't even living here wow. um and so that was like the first trip i came back for a couple of the trips after that doing similar things just meeting with people reconnecting with people seeing where we could where and if anything lined up or if they knew of any jobs that were opening or anything like that yeah. um and so at the time tim weber who i was still working for good music all day uh he was working on like a different project and through that project he had been speaking to rob markman who's now my boss mm -hmm. um as an advisor on on that new venture that he was working on and so i came to new york for one of the last times and i really was a big fan of what they were doing at Genius because it was like right when they just started to pivot into video. Mm -hmm. So Rob had just done the Two Chains and uh, the Two Chains Lil Wayne interview for College Grove, which was like one of the first things that Genius did on the video side of things. And so I'd seen that and I loved it. I love Rob's interview style. I'd watched his Kendrick interview. I unknowingly had been a fan of his like his work basically since he was a Double XL like way back because I, I like as a kid I was buying those magazines yeah, yeah. and reading stuff that he'd worked on um and so i was like yo like tim if there's any way that you can just set up some time for me to meet with him i would love to talk to him just about artist relations what it is how he got into it and just learn more about his career because I, I just was like really impressed and like he is just like you know everyone knows who he is i just really wanted to see what i could learn from him or even just connect with him and just see uh if there was if there was anything there but we we ended up meeting i was like a full day early like 24 hours I showed up at the office. He wasn't there. He'd already left. <laughs> uh, I called him and I was like, Hey man, like, I'm sorry. I was a little bit late, but I'm here in the lobby. Like whenever you're ready. And in the email chain, it just hadn't been very clear, but he actually met the next day. Oh. And so he, <laughs> he hit me and he was like, Hey man, I'm not there. I actually just got home. Uh, but if you wait, I'll come back and we can chat. Oh. Cause it was like towards the end of the day, but it was still like during like the, the work business hours. Right. Uh, so he came back and we ended up talking for like an hour, maybe like an hour and a half. Hmm. Um, about everything man like we talked about like ethics in the music industry and, and, and especially in journalism we talked about like music that I've been a fan of like why I love music why I love hip-hop we talked about how he got started like he's telling me about 
the first time he interviewed like 50 cent and jay-z and stuff and i was just sitting there like fanboying out like yeah (laughs) these are like the artists i grew up listening to i can't even believe it um and like i think at the time there was something like he might have been texting kendrick or some weird shit like that at the time too because like he's he's always kind of doing that kind of stuff like he'll be talking to like these huge artists like it's not like to me like i still freak out when he tells me these things (laughs) i'm just like oh like okay (laughs) um and i think at the time he like he mentioned something like that too and i was just geeking and i was like holy shit bro i can't believe yeah. this is happening right now and so like you know we got to the end of the meeting and i was just like hey man like i'm gonna move here in march regardless of if i have a job or not mm-hmm. if you hear of anything at all like i'll be an assistant i'll be like the coffee guy like i don't care i, I just want to be here i want to work in music hip-hop and r&b specifically and i don't mind what that is yeah. at all like I'll, I'll just do what i need to do and i'll work my way up um so i went back to nashville didn't hear anything i'm still applying to jobs i've gotten like you know no response from every complex posting (laughs) and so i'm like really started to like relegate myself to defeat of just being like fuck man like i'm really gonna have to go back to retail for a bit and uh and then i got an email from rob like out of the blue it was just like hey man we're opening this listing we haven't had this position before it's a new position uh that's basically like assisting me in my department with booking booking talent first and foremost, but then also there'll be like an interview aspect to this uh, as like the job progresses. So the, the goal is basically to have somebody to help book initially for the video series and then move into doing interviews. And so for me, I'd never done an interview. Uh, like no. I, I'd maybe done like, I'd done like one artist interview ever. Yeah. Um, but I like talking to people. And right. I think like in our initial conversations, like it definitely felt like we connected on a conversational level, which I think definitely worked in my favor in the long run because he knew that I didn't have any interview experience going into the job. <laughs> um, and he, you know, we talked about that later on and he was like, yeah, it was definitely one of the red flags for us when we were going through the interview process with it. You didn't, you had like one interview, I think. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, but he hit me up. I applied immediately. I sent my resume over. They sent me like a take home, uh, like assignment to do basically over the, like they sent it to me on a Friday. I was like, I want to do this shit, have it back to them by a Monday. So when they get back into the office, it's now waiting for them and they know how much I want this job. Cause I want this job. Like this, this is the one, if I can get this job, yeah. I'm going to be lit. Um, so I turned that in, I turned in like nine pages on Monday. Like it literally like wow. I made like one sheets. It was it, like, so the assignment was basically like pick artists that you would book and why the verified pick artists that you would book and why for deconstructed because those, those were the only like two video series we had at the time right. um and so i made one sheets basically for every artist with social stats video stats why we should like a little blurb about why yeah hell yeah i picked saba okay um because it was just right after bucket list ep had come out and to me it was like a no-brain i was just like this project is amazing i was like i, I so i went to that youtube i looked at like the artists that they had already chosen i made a mm-hmm. list I don't think I have it still, but I made a list that's like three pages long of every single artist they'd had on Verified so I could make sure that I didn't get the same artist that they'd already booked. Um, and so I did that. I went through and I gave them a range of artists from like very early. So Sabo was probably the smallest one that I put on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like the Migos is a no-brainer because Bad and Bougie was out at the time. And it was just like, all right, like Migos is a, is a no-brainer. I think I had Big Sean on there who I don't think they'd gotten yet um, or they were just about to get. Saba. I think Sid was another one that I put on there because she just dropped Finn and that album was just like perfect. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and then I can't remember what the last one was, but it was another like no brainer okay. artist. Cause, cause I, that was the thing I wanted to give them ones that was like, yo, like obviously these right. songs are huge. And if you could get them on the platform, that makes sense. But 
here are some of the artists that like Didn't I think would be really really good for yeah exactly and so for producers it was kind of a similar thing I was like Mike Dean uh I think I did Mike Dean TM88 which we did end up doing huh. soon after um London on the track right Jetson wasn't a thing yet uh mike will which ended up being the first deconstructed they ever did wow. which came out after i started okay uh or like during my interview process which was cool because i kind of like called i think there was a lot of like times where it just kind of matched up which was cool like there was stuff that like i had pitched and it was like stuff they were either already working on or stuff that they were about to work on mm-hmm. or like they'd had the conversation and couldn't get it or something like that which was mm-hmm. cool um and then it was like you know write like a pitch email and i just that's like at caa i email people like all day every day so like mm-hmm. i was very versed in writing like a like an official looking email like something that just like looked professional and felt professional but like not too like stuffy mm-hmm. um and then the last thing was like there's there's an artist in the city that you want to book how do you get to them and because i'd been at caa that basically taught me like you need to get to somebody you do everything you need to do to get yeah. to them whether that's calling them a hundred times or calling their rep a hundred times or texting them or just I think I wrote and I was like really if it comes like worse comes to worse I'm gonna pop up on them yeah. if I see where they're at on Instagram <laughs> yeah. and I know where they're at like I'm gonna pop up on the team which I've never done <laughs> I would never do now scary. but I think yeah hell yeah I, you definitely can't do that that's not something that you can't do but I put it in there anyway because I was like if I gotta do it right. I'm gonna do it um so I turned that in I didn't hear anything for a while I came back to New York for another trip looking for an apartment ended up doing my in-person interview with them then that was like a two three hour process um which was cool i got to meet like all the different people on the teams i'd be working with and then the last hour was just me talking to rob which was really cool uh found out the day that i was leaving nashville that i got the job so like truck packed up literally getting ready to like drive to new york uh rob called me that morning and was like hey like if you if you're down would like to offer you the job and i was like fuck yeah fuck yeah like i think i cried on the floor to be honest like i'm pretty sure me and my wife just sat on the floor and cried right before we left because it took a massive weight off my shoulders as well of like being like i don't have a fucking job but i have an apartment in new york um so then from there bro like i've just been i've been a genius for almost four years now uh i've been the artist relations associate the artist relations manager senior artist relations manager and now i'm artist relations director Uh, my job has changed pretty dramatically uh maybe not that dramatically in the last four years but it has changed uh, i think initially when i started like i said i was just booking interviews i hadn't really done any interviews at all so for the first like couple of months it was me just watching rob uh watching how he did verified watching how he talked to artists how he got them to answer things and just you know seeing how he structured interviews in such a different way than everything else that i've been watching mm-hmm. and so i learned a ton you know like i'm really lucky that i got to learn how to interview from him because i think it's it has made me a much better interviewer um, and just a, a better conversationalist. You know what I mean? Like I, I started to learn things like about giving up like pieces of myself in the interview so that people feel more comfortable to, to really like open themselves up to me as well. Cause it's, it's not, you can't just be taking the whole time, right? Like it's a lot of give and take, like they have to feel comfortable enough to want to tell you things that are really personal, especially when we're talking about lyrics. Um, so with that, like you, you kind of have to give a little bit back. And that was something that I really, I saw Rob do a lot and was something that I really took away from like, just watching and learning from him. Um, he put me on my first interview with Charlie Puth, uh, which was terrifying. I'm not gonna lie. I made Charlie Puth cry, which is, I'll never forget that. I made Charlie Puth cry on my first interview ever. (laughs) Cause I was asking him really personal questions about an ex. Um, watching him cry in front of you. 
I was really worried that I'd fucked it up. You fucked like, up. If right? I'm being like, I was like, holy shit, I've fucked this up. Like my <laughs> boss is sitting behind me in the room. I've made the artist cry in my first yeah. interview ever. Uh, and I, I've done that a couple of times now. I've made Jesse Reyes cry, cry twice. Uh, <laughs> it's not something to be proud of, but it's just because we have these like really intense conversations. You know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes it's talking about these like really personal things that are close to them or these moments that have happened, like really impacted their lives. So, you know, I, I used to worry about it, but I see that now as like a really just like great moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where we get to see like the humanity behind somebody that a lot of times people just don't really think about. Right. And that's a um, win for them. I mean, they, they probably get way more fans that way when they actually become yeah. vulnerable and you can see them as a person. Yeah. And that's something that informs the way that I treat every artist that comes in too. Like I think, and this is something that I just noticed about like fans and stuff. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you're a fan of somebody, it's really easy to put them like up there and like yeah. treat them try and treat them a special way or treat them differently but i think you know most times they just want to be treated like regular people because they are just regular people right. you know what i mean <laughs> and so that's been a big thing for me is just like whenever people come in like regardless of like what i know about them or what pre preconceived notions there are it's just like treating them like a person when they come in and treating them like this is my first time interacting with you and learning about who you are like i've had to use that with some people that like you know like you watch like I interviewed Brian W. Melly three times, right? Like I, you watch his videos, you listen to his music, and you definitely get an idea of who he might be. And so when he came in, like it was definitely like, all right, like I, I just got to treet this dude like this is my first time meeting him. What's up? Like nice to meet you. And I, I, I actually had like a really good time with him every time I interviewed him. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so like it, it's been like stuff like that too. Like Kevin Gates, another artist that like you know like I definitely like had known about him before I got to interview him. You know what I mean? And like I'd seen interviews that he'd done, and I kind of had an idea of like what it could be like. Yeah. When he came in, it was just like, all right, I just got to treat you like I would treat anybody that I'm meeting for the first time. And that's how we end up getting really, really great interviews and great conversations with these people. Right. It's just treating them like humans. You know what I mean? And I think that is the mistake I see of like a lot of other interviews too. It's like they get a little flustered. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and you can tell they get a little flustered or they ask like weird questions, like yeah. <laughs> type questions. Which we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, okay. So that's what you're doing. And then how is it transition now that you're the director? So I went from booking and just doing interviews. Uh, it was a lot of, there was like a year of me doing a lot of that single-handedly while Rob was working on bigger activations and genius. So there was a long time where I was doing almost every interview wow. and I was booking almost every interview for deconstructed, verified. Uh, and then as we started to launch more series, I got more involved in launching other series as well. So I helped launch Open Mic, which has been like kind of a baby of mine um since i've been or since we've been doing it yeah. uh and that's that is kind of what i was predominantly working on i think over like the last year or so so as i transitioned to like artist relations management and then senior artist relations manager it became more about like looking at the channel as a whole looking at stats looking at how certain things perform trying to find trends and like what is popular on the channel and then guiding the artist relations department into what kind of stuff we should be booking what we should be looking for um and then analyzing that aspect of things a little bit more and then just keeping us on track with scheduling, making sure that we had enough content backed up so that we wouldn't run out or ever hit a wall and just not have anything to publish. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that for, for a while, probably about a year of just that being more predominantly what I was doing, kind of backing away from doing as many interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, and then now as I've moved into artist relations director, uh, I work very heavily on like branded content campaigns. So our sales team will sell, you know, an idea that our marketing teams come up with to a brand, brand will buy in, will create a custom piece of content or a sponsored piece of content 
um, that incorporates the brand in some way, incorporates kind of the message that they're trying to put through and also the audience that they're trying to get to. Uh, and we'll book talent for that, handle all the contracting, negotiation, all that kind of stuff. So between Rob and I now, like that's predominantly what I work on. And then I head up all of the booking for Genius Live, which is our new, it's like one of our new initiatives. It's like kind of launching another series, which is cool for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like our series of live interactive shows. So we've done five so far. Wiz Khalifa was the first. The Kid Laurie was the second. Uh, Ty Dolla Sign was the third. We just have Mariah the Scientist. Uh, and then I'm not going to say the next one because it's not announced yet, but okay. we have another one coming up uh, towards the end of this February with somebody who is very cool uh, and is a really great R&B rap, melodic rap singer. Okay. Um, so we're going to be doing one of those basically every month. And so like, it's, it's just cool. It's like a cool way for us to like generate money for an artist because there's like all these fan interaction aspects of it, whether they can like buy a shout out and be on camera mm-hmm. or they can buy a shout out and the artist will shout them out. They can buy, uh, watch party and be like in a zoom room with like a hundred other people or 200 other people all watching the show at the same time uh, and it almost feels like you're in a in a show right so you pay to be in the watch party there's uh you can vote on songs that are played in the set uh there's like a meet and greet that you can buy also we just did exclusive merch on our last one so we'll be doing more like exclusive merch drops as well with specific shows um so that's been really cool for me to work on just you know coming from live booking initially and now to be doing more of that again, which I've gotten to do also through the branded content stuff as well. Like before the pandemic, we were doing a lot of like experiential events for brands. Oh. So we would just like pay with a brand and then do like a cool like show performance or some sort of like live activation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to I got to kind of get back to live booking then. And then after the pandemic happened, we you know everything's been remote, so it's been a lot more booking. Uh, and then now as we're doing these interactive shows, it's cool because I'm getting to work with the agencies and people that I know in the live space to to kind of like provide an opportunity that is lacking right now. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of paid show opportunities for artists. So the fact that we have one uh, and it is such an interactive thing, like yeah. it's pretty cool, man. Like once you see it too, like seeing the watch party and seeing how like these kids are like really like enjoying themselves or like with their friends or like you know what i mean like interacting with the artist and seeing the artist like see the fan on camera and like yeah being able to like feel like that live aspect of things is like somewhat alive uh is really great especially after like a year of not having like any live shows at all you know yeah wow yeah that's so i mean i got a lot to digest that's a, a crazy story man um it's a long one, man. I'm sorry. It's long-winded. Yeah, I appreciate you. That was so detailed. And like, I, so I only have a few questions, but um, like, so I guess moving forward is my first thing. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what is your next five years? Like, what is your, your, your long-term goal in the music industry? I mean, you've gotten this far and you're the director of artist relations at Genius. I mean, what's, what do you want to do next? Or do you think you'll stay at Genius uh- for a while? I'm going to stay a genius as long as they will keep paying me to do my work. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cause I just, you know what I mean? Like, I think the, it's been really amazing to have a job that pays me that I can work remotely over the last year. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm happy with what I do. You know what I mean? Like I'm happy with the stuff that I make and I'm happy with the people that I get to work with. Uh, at least the ones that I have to work with on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm chill with them. You know what I mean? Like I like those people. So for me, like I'm cool. I'm cool with being a genius as long as I can keep doing what I'm doing outside of genius. Cause I've never prevented me from doing anything. That's, you know, something that I'm passionate about. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that too. Cause there's a lot of companies that wouldn't let me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm cool where I'm at, but there's definitely a lot that I want to do. Um, 
I just started doing like some A&R consultancy work for this company uh, that is these guys, Frank and Ren. Um, Frank is, they're both from New York, but Ren is also Japanese and from Japan. So he's, oh. he's currently living in Tokyo. So we're working on this really cool project where we're trying to kind of bridge the gap between Japanese artists, US artists, US producers, Japanese producers, uh, to create more of a pipeline between the two places. Um, for me, like I've always really been a big fan of Japanese culture or hip hop specifically, I've really, really enjoyed over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this just felt like a cool way for me to get some A&R consultancy work under my belt, but also to do something that I actually think would be really cool. You know, like we've gotten the opportunity to pair like Daichi Yamamoto with Mick Jenkins, for, like a really, really <laughs> cool, like house track. Like it's, it's fucking awesome. I was just yeah. listening to it earlier today. Um, we got Ben Beal on a remix for one of the biggest songs with this guy Rakuto, who's like a, he's like a big YouTuber from Japan. Um, working on like trying to get some stuff together, like a little Aaron and a couple of people over there. So like, it, it's cool because I'm getting to like use the network that I've built to create this pipeline for artists who want more of a audience in Asia and in Japan specifically, or are trying to get more of a foothold there so they can do whatever they want to do on their own from the US side. Cause like, there's a lot of kids that also just kind of like grew up with anime and, and manga and stuff right. here that are like super into Japanese culture um, that are trying to like do more in Japan. So for me, like, you know, I'm also one of those people. So it's just, just kind of like a no brainer. <laughs> I can just connect with a lot of the people that I know that are super into this like aspect of, of Japanese culture. And if there's a way that I can like help them bridge the gap for them, but also on the Japanese side, like I have, connections to a lot of artists and artist teams that they don't necessarily have the the ability to get to easily mm-hmm. um and i've always dreamed of being an a so for me this is just a cool way to like get my foot in the door do a little bit outside of the country make some really cool like pieces of art and just see what happens um and so that for me like i don't know the the reason i became a manager in the first place is because i didn't want to be a label a uh and i figured that as a manager i could still a as much as i wanted to without having the constraints of like a major label or an independent label now i just have the com- constraints of an independent manager which is money <laughs> so you know what i mean like, this is what it is like if that's what i got to deal with like but i can still make a really dope shit like that's fine i'll figure it out yeah um but you know man i think at end of the day like i know where i want to be at like i want to build an empire like i, I don't want to do any small shit i'm trying to do some global shit and like have you know, a team of managers underneath me who are managing artists that I all think are really dope and like that I can delegate stuff to and that we can work together on and collaborate on. Ideally, the way I would like to structure it is to have everything in-house, you know what I mean? To just be like a one-stop shop for everything, minus label services, maybe, uh, minus distribution services. But like, as far as like creative services go, like I would love to be able to have video in-house and like PR in-house and photo in-house, like design in-house, like all that kind of stuff. So for me, like, I think the ultimate goal is to be able to create a company where I'm able to basically do everything yeah. uh, with a team with a team of people. It's kind of the same way that I started getting into the business side anyway, right? It's just like, I want to be able to have my hands in every aspect of what we do to make sure that the product that we put out is the best possible, mm-hmm. but also the most impactful possible. Um, and I want to do that with everyone. Like I want to do that with all the artists that I, that I love listening to and the producers that I, that I love. And if there's anything that I can do to just like help people grow and especially like artists at like a small stage too, like, you know, like I definitely just want to be able to use what I've been able to build in my own career mm-hmm. to give back to like the people that put me here. Cause like at the end of the day, like it, it's, you know, it's artists like Jack and Nav and like Rex Life Rod and like these guys that I put 
into these playlists early on that even got people looking at the shit I was doing in the first place. Right. And that's not my music. I didn't make that. You know what I mean? So without them, it's just kind of like, I don't know. There was, there was nothing for me at all without artists being artists. So like as much as I can get back to emerging talent, you know, like, which is what I try and do with like my Fresh Fix playlist on Audio Mac. And then like, you know, if I'm doing like submission based playlists or things like that, or if there's like a way that in branded content, I can work with an artist smaller maybe than I could on like organic video content. Like there's ways I can do that kind of stuff. Uh, that's really what I'm trying to do is just to, to have a positive impact in the music industry, but to also, I mean, I want to change lives, man. Honestly, like that's what I want to be able to impact people's lives and be able to like help them achieve the things that they want to achieve. Uh, and it's, you know, it's partially selfish because it's just something I want to do. But like, I think <laughs> the other aspect of it is too, is just like that re results in selflessness, you know, if it helps. Others. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I've seen a lot of like wasted potential. And to me, that is like the worst thing. Yeah. uh that can happen at all and like my wife and i talk about this a lot like especially with like i get to interview a lot of artists that like passed away or like got oh. put in prison and like yeah. for me it's always such a sad thing to see that happen because it's just like you're know, like to, to meet somebody and to like understand the potential that they have and to speak to them and to have them speak so passionately about this thing that they they've dreamt of doing and for them to just be getting there you know what i mean like it's just such a like heartbreaking thing to like see so for me, it's just like, I don't want, I don't ever want to see wasted potential. Like if I can help somebody achieve their full potential, like I want to be able to do that. Um, and that's something I've always wanted to do. So like, you know, now that I'm kind of in this place in my career where things, are, I don't know, some people listen to what I say, I'll care about what I have to say. Like if I can <laughs> use that platform at all to just like help people achieve the things that they want to achieve, that's kind of like the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. but also more selfishly to build an empire and to, yeah. to, to like to be a mogul that's the yeah. that's the I mean, goal that's kind of what i'm trying to do too is like build something by helping uh aspiring artists like so for me yeah. um this video is going to be posted on my patreon where i'm bringing together a community of as many artists and producers and managers that i can um that i think i can help just by teaching them kind of the stuff yeah. i wish i knew and then just creating a community because a lot of people are not good at networking or they're you know shy they're afraid to step out of their comfort zone so especially um, creatives bro i'm the oh, same way I, yeah. I actually i actually hate networking and like hate yeah. being social like are you an introvert being locked in 100 like oh, absolutely yeah. like fully bro like if i'm definitely the type of person where like if i'm at a show and i have to go to a lot of shows alone uh well before now obviously not but before right. i used to go to a lot of shows alone just because there was so many in a week uh and i'm definitely the type of dude who's like more likely to just be standing in the back of my phone like listening and like really like taking in the performance than i am to be the one who's like trying to get in the back and like shake hands and like drink with people like i just it's i'm kind of like a solitary person in general to be honest yeah, so yeah, um honestly like these calls anytime i have a scheduled call i get anxiety about it just because i'm i'm used to being on my own and being in my own head yeah um, and so, especially with the pandemic, like not actually talking to that many people in person yeah, bro. and always texting, it's kind of weird when you do get to talk to someone, especially someone you don't talk to very often. So, 100%. Uh, but this is awesome, man. And your story is, is crazy. Um, I guess one of the questions I have though, is like with all this stuff, so you have your hands and everything, mm -hmm. how do you balance it? I mean, because being a manager while working full-time a genius and then trying all this other stuff on the side, like. And then having a wife, I'm, I mean, I, I, I have a girlfriend, so I understand that that's a commitment too. And like the time and how do you balance it, man? Um, honestly, man, like, I think this, that's like the hardest part for me is, is the balance aspect of things. And my wife would definitely tell you that I just work all the time and too much. Um, I, 
I don't know. That's that's the part I'm still trying to figure out. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and some people will be like, "There's no such thing as a work-life balance." Um, and like, I think that's true to an extent. It's not healthy, really. You know, to to not have a break from it. I, one thing I do try and do as much as possible is like, if I get to, usually like, you know, if it's like eight o'clock, I'm not answering right. at all. Like, really, truly, like, if it's regardless of what it is, unless it's like an emergency my artist needs me like right then like i'm trying not to answer until you know because i get off at six i have like my wife usually is asleep by like 10 30 11 so like in that space like i'm really i try to not be working as much as possible yeah um but if i you know if i have to like it is what it is and then like during the day like if i've got breaks uh and i'm like not that busy i'll just try and go hang out but actually being at home has really helped with the work-life balance aspect of things i think because like when we were all outside like it just you know the commute takes up so much time it's like literally like an hour and a half every day is just commute time yeah. you know and so there's that there's like being at the office but not necessarily doing anything like there's a lot of like those in-between moments where it's like you don't have a meeting but you don't have like you're waiting on people to respond to you it's like what do you do with that extra time so yeah. being home has been nice because we've been able to spend a lot more time together just naturally with me being here all the time uh, and it's not something that we've been able to do since, you know, like I quit my job at CAA and she was in college. Like that was the last time where we really got to have this much time together. So that's been really, really nice uh, mm-hmm. as far as the pandemic goes, is just being able to like use more of that time that I would have, that you know, might've just been wasted during the day to like actually like put it towards the other things I need to do. You know, like if I've got some downtime now, downtime now and I need to call one of my artists just to chat about something really quickly easy because i'm sitting at this desk yeah. all day so i can just like facetime them and continue to write emails and it doesn't bother anyone at all and no one's yeah. looking at me funny um so you know i think the being home or working from home aspect of things has definitely helped with the balance but it's definitely like you know it, that's the hardest part i don't know that i've got it figured out it's yeah. i definitely overwork myself and get burnt out and then like don't want to fucking do anything for days yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i definitely have those slumps and last year especially you know it was definitely like there'd be like weeks where I was super productive and then like weeks at a time where I just couldn't get out of like the the funk of like everything that was happening in the country at the time and the world you know but I think this year I'm feeling a little bit more hopeful with I mean it's like I'm being honest bro like the change in administration gives me so much more hope you know what I mean like I think before it was like we were sitting in this pandemic it just didn't seem like it was ever going to be an end to it right it didn't seem like anybody even believed it was real yeah (laughs) I didn't take it seriously you know so like now that we're now we have people that are at least thinking about it and trying to like make the steps to open the country back up and get it to a point where it's safe for people to be back out again. Like it gives me hope for like what this year could actually be versus last year when it was like, yo, I know this shit is going to be all year. Yeah. Which I did. Like I I was one of those early, early people who was like, nah, we got to be worried about this shit like now. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, like, I don't know. I feel more hopeful about this year and I feel a little bit better about balance but structure is is the thing that i'm really trying to like work on this year is just like being more structured in the way that i approach everything so whether that's management or playlisting or streaming like just mm-hmm. to have a plan yeah and to stick to it or to at least like you know like have that groundwork that i can work off of um and at least to have, just have like reminders to do things you know what i mean like you know so like moving over to like moving like my artists over to slack and getting them set up on slack mm-hmm or getting them set up on something like Monday or Trello where we can like manage tasks and I'll be on the same page versus just like text threads, like, you know, hundreds of text threads, of like people, um, 
and whether it's like a weekly call versus you know like setting a time where we like actually sit down and talk about the things we need to talk about or talk about the week and what we've done and what we need to do in the following week and that kind of yeah. stuff like I, I really slacked on that kind of shit last year uh-huh. um which you know i think is in part just due to everything that was going on but also you know it's it, that has been the thing that I've been trying to work on, you know, is like really getting that balance of, of structure and being like, all right, like these are the things that we need to do on a week to week basis, as opposed to just dragging things out and maybe procrastinating, which I also have the tendency to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't have the best answer, but no, no, I'm trying to find it. Balance, <laughs> I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> I just wanted to ask because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar position. I work from home full time, not for music. Um, I do software for uh, General Motors. And so I'm also lucky that I'm home all day, sitting at a computer all day. Um, In between my work tasks, I'm free to, you know, send emails, get on Instagram, do whatever I have to do. But yeah, man, with especially the relationship, because that's new for me. I've only been with her for almost a year now. Um, And yeah, just that that evening time, right? When we're both done with work yeah. and I got to check my phone every few minutes, just kind of see like what's going on. I'm sure you got to do the same, like, yeah, do I, I need to reply to any of these right now? No. Okay. And then, so like just trying to keep the phone away has been so hard because yeah. uh, for me, at least there's always opportunities coming up and I got to make sure that none of them um, could benefit me just by taking 10 seconds to reply. Mm-hmm. And 100%. That's that conversation that I've had with my girlfriend many times um, to where it's like 10 seconds here could make all the difference, yeah. you know? It's the filtering. I think that that's always like, even if, cause I'll, I'll have my shit like by me, you know what I mean? I'll right. check it sporadically just to make sure there's nothing important right. more than anything. You know what I mean? If there's something important, like I'll just be like, Hey, I got to do something really, really quickly. And I'll just try and take care of it quickly. But if it's not important, like, all right, fuck, I'm doing the morning. It's still going to be there when I wake up tomorrow and I get into office hours. You know what I mean? I think like, setting the office hours side of things and really trying to keep that uh especially like early in my career genius too was like a really big thing for me because like my first year genius i was like nah i don't have office hours i mean any time of the day like i'm gonna do it you know and that was frustrating because i would get like managers calling me at like 9 p.m and i was like picking up immediately and like i was just that was always miserable because it's like i can't even get answers from the rest of the team at 9 p.m on a weekday realistically like no one else is answering like i might be there rob might be there like artist relations isn't something that really ever stops. You know what I mean? Like it's because people need you. They're going to hit you up and they're going to email you and be like, this is urgent. Even if it's not that urgent, they're going to tell you that it's urgent. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. squeaky wheel, right? Exactly. So, you know, I think setting boundaries for myself uh, wasn't really something that I did until like maybe my second or third year working there. Mm-hmm. And I, ever since I did that, I was like, all right, well, this is it. I'm never going back. Like, yeah having boundaries and being like, no, like I'm not doing this or like, I just can't do this this time. You know, like, I think that's been really important to to helping me find balance, but then also just, you know, it's kind of tough having the conversation sometimes we're just being like, Hey man, I just can't do it right now. Like if you you want to talk, like we can talk tomorrow, I'll call you first thing in the morning. But like, I just, you know, like I need a break. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think that varies like manager to manager and artist to artist and, you know, relationship to relationship, but with, with my artists, I try to be, I know, I've tried to be pretty candid with them about like what's going on mental health wise, but also just like in life, you know, like if I'm like fucking stupid busy one day and then they want to talk about something and I just don't like if, if I know I'm not going to be useful, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't want to waste everyone's time, like hop on a call and just be like a downer and like not yeah. have any constructive things to say. Cause like I get like that. So, you know, just trying to be real with people and just be like, look, if you want, if you want me my best, like you just might want to wait until the morning and like we can have like a real actual productive conversation about something. 
Right. And, and so like with the burnout that you're talking about, like for me, I know I go through phases of I can grind, 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 grind. And then I burn out and I need, you know, some time or a couple of days, yeah. sometimes a week. Do you plan on that? Or do you just, I mean, what do you do to try, try to mitigate that? If anything, honestly, man, I'm just not productive <laughs> on the days where I'm like, not feeling it. like if I'm being real, like, it's like, I'll, I will push myself as much as I can to just do everything that I, I can. Cause I, I was like, I just don't want to let people down. Like I don't want to disappoint right. people. Cause I know what it's like to have someone that you're relying on who just doesn't fucking do the shit that you need them to do. Yeah. And so I never want to be that either. Uh, and so I put a lot of pressure on myself to not be that way and to just take care of things as quickly as I can, or just do things when they need to be done. But yeah, I think when I, on the days where I burn out, like, if I'm being real, today was kind of one of those days. Um, like yesterday, I was like reproductive. I was really busy. I was in meetings all day, like literally from 11 until 6. Wow. And then I had like a 9 p.m. phone call too. And like, you know, so I woke up this morning. I was like, I'm not going to be, my first meeting was at 10 this morning. I I took it in bed. I, like, <laughs> and, like I turned Zoom on. I just like had my audio on and I was lying there like face down, like just <laughs> talking yeah. when I needed to. and yeah from there like the rest of the day wasn't super productive and I think honestly like there's just days that are like that I think yeah I don't necessarily plan for it but if I don't have a ton of shit on my calendar on a certain day I know that I've had a really really busy day the day before yeah I just I, I kind of am aware that I'll be less productive uh -huh. um when we were not in like when we were back in the office it was good because like we had like a big event or something and like you know the company is very aware that like we have like an event that goes until two in the morning, like uh -huh. the next day, like it's not going to be, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like you might not be like on top of everything the next day. So they were really good about giving us like the morning to just like recoup. And like, you know, if you came in like half day or something like that, and then just worked half day, like they were usually pretty cool about that. Um, so I, I don't know, like I, I, to me, it's like, as long as I'm getting my work done, I'm on top of things. Like if I need a couple hours just to like, you know, regain myself, I don't think it's an issue like it's it's really just staying on top of everything like if I'm on top of everything like I'm affording myself the time to burn out if I need to exactly yeah uh and then you know like if I'm not if like if it's something crazy urgency like even today like I had to do I had a to-do list of like 10 things I did most of them you know what I mean like <laughs> that's pretty like, good this, there's like probably like four things that I didn't do that were like not as important and not stuff that I urgently needed to do today, but like follow up emails and emails and stuff like that. that I needed to send one out as soon as I woke up while I was still like present mentally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this morning I was like, all right, like literally just knock everything out and then I can chill a little bit because I don't have too many meetings uh, and I don't have any shoots today. Like tomorrow I've got another busy day. So today was, it was nice to have like a little bit of a slower day just to kind of like take it easier. Um, but you know, I, I don't, yeah, it's kind of hard to plan for burnout. Like it just happens when it happens and when it does, it's going to happen until it's done. And then <laughs> when it's well, done, it's I'm back. Good to hear that it, you know, it affects all of us. Um, and so I, I love how honest you are, man. You just kind of share everything. Like this is, That's, I haven't interviewed that many people, but usually they're not like you. They're not just like telling me all of their inner thoughts <laughs> and feelings, man. This is cool. I think it's something that we need to do more of. Right. I hate that there is a stigma, uh, especially in the music industry and the creative industry, because I, I just think like we all feel very similarly about a lot of things, and especially now too. Like you know, like we've been stuck inside for the better part of like a year, yeah. and we've not had any of the perks of working in the music industry that we usually would. You know what I mean? And I think that 
it's something that people don't really talk about as much but like this shit sucks sometimes man like i hate it like yeah. there, there are days where i just i fucking hate working music because it's just so disheartening hmm. um but like when you get those wins it's just so like you know it's such a great feeling and when things are working out it's such a great feeling and like at the end of the day like i love it but there are definitely like i don't know i, I just feel like it, it, we all have kind of gone through this and i've seen a lot of people quit this year like uh-huh. from their like music industry jobs because they just don't want to do it anymore yeah and so, like, I think, like, a big part of it is just, like, you know, we work really hard and they expect us to work really hard in this industry in general. You know what I mean? Like, it rewards hard work or it appears to reward hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it's not always hard work with getting people there, but it, it, it appears that way. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the way that people sell it is that you've got to work really, really hard and you've got to push yourself, you know, past the limits of what's healthy for you. Yeah. Um, and then we don't talk about it. And then we just like ignore it. You know, like people just ignore it and act like, no, nah, like everything is cool. And like, this shit is super glamorous. It's not glamorous nine times out of 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like until you get to a certain point. And then even when you get to that point, there's still like a lot of things that aren't beautiful about this. Like yeah. the fact that you got to do fucking a million streams for a thousand dollars of royalty. <laughs> yeah. Fucking ass, bro. That's terrible. That's not good for anyone. Yeah. Uh, and then like it's like i don't know man like i i feel like the best way to be is to be honest because I, I want i also want kids to just have like a realistic view of what it is to work in this industry you know what i mean like it's not it's not always easy it's not always smiles like it's it there's a lot of shitty things that happen you know what i mean there's a lot of things that'll be really disheartening that will make you want to quit but it's just continuing to to push through and to keep going which is i think what pushes people to succeed you know what i mean like it's but it's being honest about it too. Like, I don't know. I just, I couldn't lie to someone and be like, nah, like everything's cool. Yeah. Like, you know, we're all good. Like everything is good. I love this. Well, I love it most of the time. Great. I mean, everyone on social media is only posting the wins. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it's, it is a very unique field um, mental health wise, because aside from it being about art and, you know, putting yourself out there, the business side or like the wins, I guess it's, there's a lot of grind um that doesn't pay yeah. off and so there's some days where you know great things happen you know you get a call from that that guy you get a, you get that feature to come through you know like these really amazing moments happen and then the next day nothing it's boring and yeah. for me it's like oh my god like that it's just a roller coaster roller coaster yeah um, constantly always yeah so it's i yeah so i mean i think it's good that you're sharing that because the people watching this definitely um you know whether they know you're not look up to you and people like you and um i think they'll learn a lot from your story based on how you're always trying different things and networking and just trying to create real relationships rather than just what can i get you know out of this person um bro i always tell my artists that transactional relationships are the worst like don't treat every relationship like it's just a transactional thing because if, if you do like no one will fuck with you like it gets, it just gets to a point where people are like nah like if you just hit me up for shit all the time, like, yeah. and I get this now being on the other side, like being on the media side of things, like I see a lot of this where it's like, you know, like I have relationships with people that are purely transactional. And I know if they hit me up, it's just because they want something or just because they need something. Like they're not reaching out because they just want to talk or I just want to catch up. Yeah. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Like not every relationship needs to be this like deep thing where you guys are like connected and like, you know, each <laughs> other, like yeah. truthfully, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. Like whatever. But I think that there is a lot of it that you see especially in music too because of just the nature of what it is Mm -hmm. you know and like it's like everybody's trying to get to this point like everyone's scrambling for this prize that's yeah only certain people get you know what i mean there's so many people who are trying to get it so i don't know man it 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 definitely is a roller coaster but like like you said like those highs like it's just so 
fulfilling when you do something that you feel good about yeah. and that other people that makes other people feel things too like to me like that is the like at the end of the day that's like why musicians make music is because yeah. it makes them feel something and it makes other people feel something when they listen to it right so if it doesn't have that like what's the point you know what i mean but when you when you get to experience that and like have those moments where it really like makes you feel the reason that you do this it makes you remember the reason that you do this in the first place it's just so satisfying right. and there's nothing else quite like it yeah so when you were back um recording on audacity with your uh shitty little <laughs> yeah. mic um did you ever picture yourself going this direction or ending up in this in this place did you ever consider the business side more than the being an artist or what honestly not at all man like <laughs> like yes to an extent like obviously like I was like really just like I always wanted to like have a label and be an A&R and like do that aspect of things but I don't know that I ever thought I would actually end up being in media or being a manager like if you'd asked me honestly like even five ten years ago like I probably wouldn't have told you that's what I was doing like when I met my, when I met my wife like I was convinced I was just gonna be making music and that's all I was gonna be doing and even to this day like I've you know I would love to be able to do that. That'd be tight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think I, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I try to look at it like this, right? Like I know where I want to be at the end of this. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about what happens in between, you know, like it's all just part of the journey and it all just helped me be that better thing at the end. So I don't know. I think I used to really struggle with it when I first kind of shifted away from making music and creating music. And I guess even for years, like after that, like it was, it was something that really weighed on me. It was like this idea of like, not necessarily selling out but like giving up on this thing that I was like no I'm going to be doing this you know like this aspect of it and it was a long time it felt like I was giving up but then I started to look at it like you know like I'm not giving up because at the end of the day like I'm not on a I'm not on a perpendicular path it's not like I went 90 degrees away from this thing that I was trying to do mm -hmm. you know like I'm just on a different path to the same right. destination so like it doesn't I don't know I, I try not to think of it like that I used to but now I'm just kind of more like all right let me just do everything that I want to fucking do and like yeah. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, it doesn't matter as long as I feel good about it. Right. Uh, and so that's been that's been the thing that's really been driving like decisions and like how, I, how I'm trying to move now is just like, all right, am I happy with what I'm doing? Am I happy with the things I'm putting out? Am I happy with the people that I'm around? Like, do these things make me happy or do they not make me happy? Yeah. Uh, and currently, a lot of those things do make me happy, which is good. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? That's I, success, man. Hundred percent. Um. But yeah, I, it's been a crazy crazy journey from that and do you still make music then do you still write and yeah i pretty i make a beat almost every night if i'm being wow. honest like i made a beat last night at like four in the morning wow. i made a beat the night before that at like four in the morning like after i was done gaming yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like, the other thing you've been doing recently you're a twitch affiliate now you're streaming yeah gaming, right yeah, yeah is that uh gaming i'm trying to move into more music content though oh. if i'm being honest uh i i just started doing it as a thing that I was doing when I was gaming because I just it was just cool like it was a way for me to, to like connect with some of my friends who were also just like watching streams and like we were streaming together and it was just like this cool fun thing that we started doing last year yeah. uh and then when I hit affiliate I was like all right well I actually really enjoy this and there is like kind of a an opportunity here for me to just kind of build my own platform of like sharing people's music as well and like I'm already doing similar things elsewhere but it'd be cool for me to just have this place where I can like do a little bit more like of the stuff that I want to do and like I don't know. I'm still building it out. There's still a lot of things that I want to test and try and like different series that I want to do. Currently, mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to like do a mixture of both. So like, you know, there are some nights where I'm just gaming. There are some nights where I'm doing the Fresh Picks thing. Uh, this Friday, I'll be doing my first like music review stream. Oh, wow. 
which I actually need to tweet about because I gotta get some songs to review. <laughs> um, I'll get you some songs, bro. Yeah, definitely. Please send me some. Um, but I'll be doing some stuff like that too because I, I just want to get more into that that space as well of just like yeah. sharing music that I really enjoy. Uh, and whether or not that's you know I started doing like TikToks where it's like you know I've kind of a couple things where I'm like running through like interviews that I've done and like opening quota people want to ask questions and stuff right so like doing that kind of stuff or like interviews that I've booked or shoots that I've booked and then like I'm, I want to start doing stuff where it's like music that I'm listening to or new releases you should check out on a Friday like that kind of stuff you know what I mean where it's a little bit more focused on that like emerging artist community because it's just really like honestly it's it's where I feel really comfortable uh, and it's it's where I like pushing from you know what i mean like if i can find something that only has like 100 plays or 200 plays That's and i can get it a couple more hundred plays or like a thousand plays like fuck yeah like i feel really good about that yeah um so this kind of is my way of working more content into that side of things as well uh just to bridge the gap between all these things that i really really enjoy and like love so yeah and man that's that's the thing i think people take the most away from is just you really do everything that that interests you that you know that fires you up you know i mean you just try all these things and because a lot of people ask me you know like i'm an artist i love making music but i've also been wanting to try this you know maybe shooting music videos or pictures or creating cover arts or something and i'm always like do it like there's no way that hurts you you know whether whether or not it becomes your next profession or whatever you're going to learn the skills you're going to meet other people in that space. Um, it could be something you offer as a service later on, but there's no downside to trying the things yeah. that interest you. Um, yeah, that's, I, I always tell my artists that too. I'm like, yo, like, just do it. Like, if you yeah. get, if you have the the opportunity or the interest in it, it's not going to hurt you at all. You know, like, if, you, if you're an artist and you want to learn how to edit video, like, great. Then you don't have to pay someone to edit that yes, video for you. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, if you're an artist and you want to learn how to produce, great then you don't have to pay a producer for a beat and you can just own the entire fucking composition yourself. Amazing. That's more publishing for you. Great. Uh, you know, like if you're an artist who wants to design clothes, like fuck it, why not? Who knows if that's the thing that'll get you to the place where you can do and have the freedom to do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I don't know. I, I, I always tell my artists this as well. This is like not about, it's not about you molding to fit the audience about it's about you finding the audience that wants what you're doing. Yeah, and they're out there you know what I mean it's just it's really just finding them and there's an audience for everything like yeah. literally like if there's people if there's millions of people who watch a Japanese woman smash her face into a loaf of bread on yeah. YouTube <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> and there's a community who watch people make tiny food just yeah. because you yeah. know what I mean like there is a community for anything you just have to find it and it's easier to find it online than it is to find it in person right so you know I, I don't know I'm I'm all for just like trying and failing like if i gotta fail at something like fuck it, like what's the yeah it's like hope maybe it should be in the same place i'm at now yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah unless i do some crazy shit like it's not gonna really hurt to just try things you know yeah. what i mean um yeah. but plus the nah, uh, gives you appreciation for the other people's work you know like when yeah. you try to engineer yourself you appreciate engineers when you try to make beats you appreciate producers um so yeah i mean even if it's not something you end up doing like just learning about it has no downside um there's nothing wrong with learning at all i think honestly like that's one of the best traits of like anybody who's creative like if you if you're creative enough to really spend time just like learning and like like for me it's i don't know like i've always been the kind of person who's like if i can learn as much as possible about this thing that i want to do mm-hmm. regardless of what aspect of it it is it's really just gonna make me better at what i want to do and it's gonna help me understand what the people around me should be doing 
and how I can guide them and get them to do the thing that I need them to do or the thing that's going to benefit me the most. Right. Um, so yeah, man, I, okay. I'm just going to try things. Um, and so the other thing is that I feel like a lot of artists and people in the music industry, um, delusional sounds like a mean word, but I think a lot of them have this delusion of what it means to be successful or to make it, you know, either be, ah, I'm going to go to the studio, I'm going to record this perfect hit, I'm going to drop it, and I'm going to get signed to a label, I'm going to have millions of dollars, I'm going to go on tour. Um, I think I, I, that's one of the things I'm working on all the time to try and help people understand the realistic path to success in the music industry, which is where, you know, you do try other things and you're going to fail a lot and you're going to keep trying other things. Um, but yeah, I guess, is there anything that you would recommend to the people who would be watching this um, as far as whatever their path may be in the music industry? Yeah, learn how to manage money. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of, of what it is, like, music, it shouldn't be the end all be all for anyone because it's not sustainable. Like, if, if we're just being like transparent and honest, like right now, the, the, the model that exists is not a sustainable model for independent artists or for people who don't have major backing realistically because like if you just think about the way percentages are getting split up and like the amount of money that you actually have to take out of pocket to pay for specific things if you don't have like a major back team or like a major label or a label behind you doing the work uh it is difficult to sustain and to pay and afford to do all that so don't don't feel bad is basically basically what i'm saying is don't feel bad about doing a job you know what i mean like having a job that will give you the freedom to be able to pay for things and to be able to do things the way that you want to do them and to fund the things that you want to fund uh, is, is power within itself. You know what I mean? So like, I, I would just say like, don't, I don't know, don't feel like you need to do the things that artists make you feel like you need to do to be an artist. Cause it's not, it's not that way. You know what I mean? A lot of the flexing that happens isn't real. Like it's not <laughs> <laughs> like that, that is not the music industry. You know what I mean? Like all of the, all of that aspect of things like that's not, that's not the art. That's not the music. That's just this, that's the shit that they try and sell you to make you feel like you need Right. to be a certain way uh but yeah that that would be my biggest thing honestly like learn how to manage that money because like even if you do get a deal and you get that advance learn how to take that advance and flip it into more because right right a that's really what you're going to need advance and it's gone and now you're just nope. yeah now you're no. shit out of luck you got no money for the next three years yeah. of your fucking album cycle yeah. you know what i mean so yeah that, that would be my biggest advice is to just like really think about the future regardless of what's happening in yeah. the present as an artist whether you are kind of like in those beginning stages and you're thinking about like putting stuff out think about the money because you're going to need a budget to really push things properly uh if you're an artist getting an advance think about the money because when that advance runs out where are you going to get the next yeah. you know where are you going to live how are you going to live uh, and if you're already an established artist, still think about the money. What are you going to do after the music isn't working anymore? Right, right. Like, what, what are you doing after that? Like, what is the, what is the business opportunity or the investment that's going to carry you mm-hmm. and give your family generational wealth as opposed to just like a flash in the pan, like a right. little bit of money. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that I think everybody who is a creative or an artist needs to think about in the long run uh, to be able to achieve longevity, longevity and, and to really just be able to live comfortably and have like a have like a real life you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's that's great advice and so man i don't want to take too much of your time i know this is your family quality time and i don't want to <laughs> no, I appreciate you. too much but uh thank you so much this has been a great talk i love that we didn't get too nitty-gritty with like music details i'm um, just kind of talked about life in general and and the journey that it takes um and yeah, man, it's great to finally like, have a real conversation with you. So I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I'm, I'm glad that we got to as well. I'm down if you ever want to talk about 
the nitty gritty just let me know i'm yeah. down to talk about that stuff as well all right yeah we'll definitely talk again then um but yeah man thanks so much for your time um we'll talk again soon all right peace, all right, peace i appreciate you bro. everyone